Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of the Summits Podcast. I'm Vince Todd. I'm Daniel Abdallah. And we are in Q4, October. Once again, we are Breast Cancer and Liver Cancer Awareness Month. It also happens to be the heart of football season, folks, Mm -hmm. and the NFL's crucial catch this month as well. We'll talk a little bit about that. The NFL football mentioned there, of course, is the segue into this episode's guest, Miss Stephanie Pemberton. Welcome to the Summits Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. It's our, our pleasure having you. Yep. Despite what I, I heard a few minutes ago. But you know, <laughs> we'll we'll let that slide for now. Vince it's is an equal finally, opportunity podcast. Finally outnumbered at the mic. You yep. know what? It all makes sense now. Well, I now know why you're wearing that hat. Well, you're wearing black and gold today too, mm-hmm. so I think it's very appropriate. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Touche. <laughs> if people haven't realized it, we both went to Purdue. He went to IU. And a running joke, Vince likes to give me a hard time. So I had to get well, him back. Just so you two are happy, uh, I did reach out to the marketing guy at Purdue, Ethan, who I don't, you may know him, maybe not. Ethan, I don't know Ethan Braden. Okay. If not, we can certainly make that introduction. Um, so to line up a visit and do some remote episodes up there. There Perfect. you go. So, Stay All tuned. Right. Stay tuned, Boilermakers. I, I assume you'll be, uh, you'll be, um, you just happen to be absent as well, like I was. No, at the oh Wednesday. no, I will have. You'll actually the, be there. I will be there. Okay, All right. put it that way. Okay, I have All the right. guts to be there. All I right. may okay. be wearing candy stripes even, <laughs> which will that. probably put an enemy target on my yeah. back, <laughs> on the bodyguard. Well, folks, um, we are again as joined by Stephanie, as I mentioned, um, Steph. Why don't you provide our viewers and our listeners a little background on yourself? Absolutely. Um, well, uh, I went to Purdue, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, kind of going back even years before that, I am born and raised here in Indiana, uh, grew up in Southern Indiana, small, small town. I claim Columbus, Indiana, because um, most people don't know where Hartsville, Indiana is, uh, but small town, um, small town, Indiana girl uh, growing up and uh, grew up with four sisters um, and um, decided when I was 13, 14, uh, that I wanted to pursue a career in sports. Um, I had kind of fallen in love with, uh, Colts football, um, and, uh, decided I wanted to pursue a career in sports. And so, um, fast forward a few years and, uh, went to Purdue and, uh, kind of set my sights on that. And so got some internships and started down that path. How many kids from your high school went to Purdue? So fun fact, I was actually homeschooled. Okay. Okay. So um, all four of my sisters <laughs> went to Purdue as well. Really? So okay. yes. Because I would imagine in that general greater Columbus Southern yes. area, yeah. much much heavier IU. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Much. No, we were definitely of just kind of our uh, circle of friends and things like that. We were definitely in the minority. Okay. Um, what led us to Purdue is actually my oldest sister. She is a veterinary ophthalmologist. Oh, there um, you go. So, and then once you know, with five kids, my parents were like you know, we'll, we'll provide the housing if, ev- if all five go to Purdue and, you know, they had a liberal arts school and a communications major. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I decided I would pursue my sports dream there and, uh, it actually, you know, worked out. Um, but, uh, but no, I was definitely, um, you know, most of the students that we see come through at the Colts, uh, with a sports marketing 
major, you know, come from the Ball States that I use, um, not many from Purdue, but, um, but yeah, pursued, um, pursued that. That was my dream and was able to get some internships and, um, and, uh, got an internship with Purdue athletics and then with the Indiana fever. And then that ultimately led to an internship with the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. And, um, I actually started out in the community relations department, uh, which is the arm of the organizations that is focused on all of our philanthropic giving, uh, a lot of our nonprofit partnerships and things like that. And so, um, that's kind of where I got my start in the NFL, uh, and had the opportunity after my internship and after I finished up at Purdue, uh, to get offered a full-time position there. So I started out as a community relations assistant and, um, have just had the opportunity over the years to grow in the organization and, um, took on a marketing role, uh, about eight years ago, um, and kind of pivoted from just focusing on community to uh, focusing on a, a much broader array of um, of our organization, including uh, game day, uh, all of our large uh, tent pole events, uh, things that we do, training camp up at Grand Park and kickoff concert and uh, 5K runs, and then obviously game day. Um, so uh, yeah, it's been exciting and a lot of fun to, to live out my dream, but it's um, been interesting too, because you know growing up in small town Indiana um, and now being able to work for you know the team um, that is the hometown team is uh, been just a huge blessing and so much fun. Typically in sports, you know, when you when you decide you want to go in sports, you got to know that, you know, nine times out of ten, or really I would say like nine point nine times out of ten, <laughs> right. you're not going to end up in your hometown. And yeah. so uh, it's been a lot of fun to be able to, um, you know, raise a family here and um, you know be surrounded by by family um, throughout my whole journey um, in sports. Yeah. Uh, well said. I, I would agree with the 9.9 on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's very loudly rings true. Um, we appreciate your guys' partnership. Um, the Colts have been partners with, with the Heroes Foundation for, for several years, um, and I'd like to thank you for that, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so you are now the Vice President of Marketing for the Colts. What is... Um, what, what's, what's the, what's that look like today? I mean, we're now in season Yep. now at the same time, this is a 12 month out of your job, obviously what, what's, what's it look like today, maybe versus a year ago during the year that people are tired of talking about? Yes. Um, so fortunately, uh, it looks a lot different, uh, but there's also things that don't look different. Uh, and so we're kind of in this, um, in between year, I feel like because COVID still exists, yeah. um, and we've still got restrictions and we've still got protocols, um, that we're falling under, but yet we are able to have full stadiums and welcome our fans mm -hmm. back. And so it's been really fun to have that sense of normalcy come back and to see Lucas Oil Stadium full again and to hear the roar of the crowd. I think um, our, you know, our entire organization missed our fans so much last year. And it was really hard, um, you know, to walk into Lucas Oil Stadium. And for the 10,000 fans that were there, I mean, they gave it their all. And we were one of the few teams that actually got to host fans right, at, at yeah. some point. Um, but it just wasn't the same. And so um, it's been really fun to, to get back to kind of, you know, the energy, the excitement. I mean, this is what sports is, right? And yeah. so um, this year has been um, challenging in its own right because you are kind of living in this limbo of sure. things are still changing and evolving every day. Um, but we all feel extremely grateful um, to be able to 
have our fans back and um, and be kind of down that path of, of, of a more normal environment. Yeah, I was there Sunday um, at or the, the Sunday of the first home game. Um, I, I tend to run on emotion for, for better or worse. Uh, it was a great feeling. It was it was electric. Uh, the game didn't turn out with the way we wanted it, but but just the on the before the game started, just being in that atmosphere again was awesome. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like you used to start to take it for granted. You know, if you go to game after game, and it just kind of it is what it is. But there was something special about that moment that was like, oh god, this feels good. I'm, yes. I'm, I wish I could feel this way every game, and it's not it's not a discredit to anyone. It's just it was there was something special about finally being yeah. back. Uh, Pat certainly helped yes. uh, with his uh, monologue, if you will, before yes. uh, hitting the anvil. I think yes. he went over his timeline, but but that's it was it was perfect. Um, so yeah, and I'm looking forward to being at, at more home games this season. Yeah. Um, well, one of the other topics conversation certainly is is Breast Cancer Awareness Month here in the month of October. Um, Stephanie, what is your cancer story? So my cancer story, um, actually, I would say starts kind of several years ago with my role with the Colts when I was back working in community relations. Um, you know, we've had a longstanding partnership with the IU Simon Cancer Center for years. Mm-hmm. Um, our COO is the president of their board, has been very involved over the years. Um, and, you know, between them and Riley and, and some of the other organizations in town, uh, you know, we've done a lot in this space. The NFL's Crucial Catch campaign has been around for years. Um, and, you know, that was that was kind of under and continues to be under our community relations umbrella. And so for many years, that was that was a, an initiative and a campaign that um, I was spearheading and I was leading the charge on all of that. And, you know, I was planning visits to the Simon Cancer Center, uh, to the infusion room uh, and taking our players and our cheerleaders and our mascot and walking the halls and bringing cheer and visiting with patients and hearing their stories. Um, you know, I was organizing the check presentations on the field um, and um, and then I got to be a big part of the Chuck Strong initiative um, when Coach Pagano was there and um, help with the fundraising and the awareness and just the incredible uh, movement, if you will, that started from uh, Chuck Strong. And so, um, you know, I look back now and um, am amazed by how all of that kind of led to uh, February 2020, um, I had, well, I guess it was December 2019, had found a lump um, and, um, you know, decided I should probably get it checked out. Um, and so, um, you know, went to the doctor. They said, you know, don't think it's anything. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're not a candidate for, there's no family history. There's, you're not really a candidate. You don't really fit the mold for, for this being anything serious, but you know, we should be proactive and yeah. check it out. So, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks, um, get a biopsy and, um, and then uh, it was February 11th, 2020, I was at work in my office and um, they had told me it would be three to five days to get the biopsy results. And um, I had gone in, I think on a Friday and this was um, Monday or Tuesday. And um, I, I, the, the phone number came up on my phone. I'm like, man, they're really, th- that was quick. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of expecting it to be in the latter part of the week. And um, and the nurse, you know, uh, says, um, you know, is, is now an okay time? Do you have a few minutes? And in my head, I'm thinking, uh, you know, if this was nothing, would she be asking me that? And you're right. analyzing it. Yeah. And so, um, 
so I closed the door to my office and she said, um, you know, we got your biopsy results back and, and uh, we did find cancer. And it it's a moment I'll never forget, but it was just like your whole world just kind of stops for a minute. And um, here I am at work, you know, in the mid- middle of a busy day. And, um, and, and the hardest part after that was she didn't really have a lot of answers other than we found cancer. We don't know what kind it is. We don't know, you know, how, uh, invasive it is. We don't know, um, a lot right now, but we know that there's cancer. And so, um, I, you know, asked her what the next steps would be. And it was going to be, well, we're going to put you in touch with a, 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 a breast surgeon and, you know, start the conversation. And then we're, we're still waiting for additional uh, tests to come back and to know more. Um, and so I got off the phone with her and um, I called my husband immediately. And, you know, we both kind of just cried together because what else do you do at that mm-hmm. moment? Um, and I said, you know, can you meet me at home? Um, cause I, I need to, you know, get away from work and just kind of start to figure out like, what's the plan. Yeah. Uh, I'm a type A personality. <laughs> I like to have a plan. Um, and I, uh, I needed kind of to figure out what that plan was going to be. And so on my way home, I called my parents and I just said, can you guys meet me over at our house? And here it is, like I said, middle of the work day, middle of the week. Um, I wasn't specific. And so they said, sure. And, um, and we got home and I sat him down on, on our couch. And I told him what was going on. I hadn't told him I had found a lump or anything. Cause again, mm-hmm. I didn't want to raise false alarms. And I, you know, I didn't want to, um, I, I hadn't said anything to anybody other than, than my husband, Keith. And so, um, the third phone call I made was the Simon cancer center because here over the years, you know, especially through truck strong, I had developed these relationships with and gotten to know some of the staff and the doctors down there. And, um, I knew where I needed to be and I knew, um, that, you know, they were the next phone call. So, mm-hmm. um, so I called over to, um, uh, Amber uh, sent me over there and told her what was going on. I said, I haven't told anyone but my husband and my, my parents. So obviously I need you to keep this confidential for now. Um, but I, I, I need to, you know, I need to figure out who I need to see there and, and all of that. So, um, so I started, I started that journey and got connected with some of the best doctors, um, in the country. Uh, there at the Simon Cancer Center, um, you know, one of the hardest parts um, initially was just the waiting game because you're kind of waiting for y- you want to get started. You want to have the plan. You want to know how do I start attacking this thing? Mm-hmm. And um, we had to wait for all of these scans and, um, you know, additional testing. And um, so there were week, a few weeks of that before you could really even come up with the plan of attack and how you're going to attack it. That's good for type A's sitting around waiting for a couple weeks. It was really, really hard. It was really hard. Um, because, uh, you just, like I said, you wanted to attack it. You wanted to get started. You wanted to have a plan. And I've, I've heard that from a lot of folks now who have gone through a cancer journey of the waiting game is so hard and not just on the front end, But then as you go through and, you know, there's testing or there's scans midway right. through and all of that, I mean, it's that that's half the battle. And it's such a mental game, too, when it comes to that, because you're trying to continue to, you know, 
live your life each day and focus on everything else that's going on, but it kind of weighs on the back of your mind. And so you lose sleep and, you know, have anxiety and, and -hmm. all of that. So, um, that was, that was one of the things I think through my journey that, um, I didn't realize of just how much of a mental battle it is as much as it is a physical battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. Uh, you, for me, when I could kind of put this, this timeline together and, and, you know, kind of like that, the old school wall calendars for Christmas and you'd, you know, each day you'd pick off a thing and sometimes it'd like a piece of candy or whatever on there. Well, I kind of did the same thing. Um, with chemo treatments mm-hmm. when you're in the front end, you're looking at it, you're like, Holy crap, I got, you know, however many months to go. Um, but yeah, to your, to your point, yeah, it's, it's, there's a very mental aspect as well as physical. Yep. Um, what, what was the, once, when when the results came back and that plan started to be put into place, what did, what did that look like? So, um, so I met with the surgeon and, you know, they kind of, she kind of, uh, laid out um, while they were still waiting for the results, uh, uh, full results to come back. She kind of laid out here's all the different potential yeah. options. We might start with uh, we we <clears throat> might start with uh, surgery. We might start with chemo, depending on your type. Da 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 da. Um, and you know, she had told me she said you know one type that it could be, and then we see more in younger patients is triple negative breast cancer. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't know what that meant. Um, but you know what she said is that means you know it's not. Um, going to be responsive to some of our traditional um, and more sort of tried and true therapies and hormone-based therapies. And so um, it means that we've got to be more aggressive with treatment because it's a more aggressive type. Um, It spreads faster um, and um, it uh, it doesn't, re- like I said, it doesn't respond. So the, the, the prognosis is not always as, as good. I mean, there's, there's breast cancers out there that, you know, we're in that 96, 98% survival rate. And I think triple negative, I mean, depending on what you Google and everything, I mean, it's, it's significantly lower. I mean, I, I saw everything, you know, from the seventies, you know, to the eighties. And obviously that changes because they're continuing right. to learn more, but, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hearing all of this and thinking, well, goodness, I hope it's not that. And, um, and then they call you and they say it's triple negative breast cancer. And, um, and so, uh, you know, next steps were, you know, you need to see the oncologist next, the breast oncologist. Um, so they connected me with Dr. Brian Schneider down at Simon Cancer Center, um, who's one of the, the top in the country with triple negative um, yeah. because it is one of the lesser known uh, types of breast cancer. Um, there's just not as much research. There's just not as as many doctors that have, have dealt with it that mm-hmm. have had patients um, that, um, they th- that they've treated with it. And so um, he got, you know, met with him ASAP and, um, he said, you know, here's, here's the plan. Um, we're going to do, you know, this, all these different scans. Cause what we need to figure out is, is it anywhere else? Um, because it is a, a faster spreading type of cancer. Mm-hmm. We need to kind of figure out if there's anything else going on, if it's spread anywhere else. And so, um, so we get all the scans, we go through all of that and it comes back that, um, you know, everything looked good. Um, there was one nodule on my, um, on my liver that they couldn't quite tell, but he said, I think we should charge ahead. Um, it's not an area that we would, 
it would be a risky area to biopsy. And uh, even if there is something there, we would probably still go at it aggressively with chemo. Um, so let's charge ahead. So the plan was um, eight rounds of chemo um, every two weeks, so 16 weeks of chemo. And then after that, um, surgery. And then in the meantime, uh, they wanted me to do genetic testing because um, there was no family history. Um, there was nothing health-wise that kind of indicated why this happened. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, they explained that there's some genetic mutations that um, if I had them could at least help maybe answer the why. Um, and so while I was going through chemo, I also was going through the genetic testing process and kind of waiting for those results to come in. Uh, oh, and oh, by the way, COVID also hit. <laughs> so Minor details. Yeah, minor yeah. details. Um, so, you know, I think it was after my first treatment, I think our offices at the Colts closed down a week or two after my first okay. treatment yeah. and everyone was sent home. Uh, and at the time we were thinking, you know, we were gonna be home for maybe a couple weeks yeah. while they figured this thing out and flattened the curve. Uh, and little did we know that, um, you know, that was gonna be um, the next 18 months uh, of, of kind of the remote Looking thing. back, do you think that was a somewhat of a positive thing for your personal situation? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And people, I've had so many people say, you were dealing with cancer and COVID at the same time. And I said, it does, this is going to sound crazy, but for me, yeah. it was actually a blessing. If I was going to get cancer, to have it line up with COVID and when everything was shut down um, was actually kind of a blessing because um, everyone was kind of, Mm -hmm. in lockdown mode right. and so we didn't feel as separated from everything else and because you know you have to kind of slow down your life when you're going through chemo right like i was already going to have to be more careful and sanitizing things and you right. know watching um you know going to the gas station and wa washing everything <laughs> down as i'm you know getting gas and I, like yeah. those were already gonna, that was already going to be a part of my life yeah. but suddenly it became a part of everyone's life right. yep. and so if there was a time for me to get cancer i really do believe it was a, you know, a blessing uh, to be to, to have it at that time um, because I was able to work from home the entire time, um, but everyone was working from home, right. and so um, physically um, allowed me. I you know going back to that type A, um, I tend to push myself pretty hard, and um, you know there were days where I know I would have forced myself to go into the office and I shouldn't have been in the office, uh, but I didn't have to make that choice, and yeah. that was really uh, it was like God knew that uh, he needed to kind of protect me from my, from myself, um, and pushing myself. So, um, you know, the, the Colts were, were amazing throughout the whole journey and gave me, um, every bit of flexibility that I needed. Um, but I was able to work, um, you know, through, through the whole, uh, journey and through chemo, um, with some days off here and there and some naps here and there in the afternoon mm -hmm, and things sure. like that when I was wiped out. But, um, but absolutely. I mean, it was, um, it was, it was, it was a blessing for sure to kind of, um, be home and have that additional time with my family too. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And let's not, not, let's not, not mm -hmm. knock afternoon naps. I mean, I'm a proponent. <laughs> I don't get to do it very often, but it sounds fantastic. Uh, yes, yes. I've, uh, always appreciated a good afternoon nap. <laughs>
What patient advice would you give to others who are either, well, who find themselves in the, in the same battle right now? Um, you know, I think give, give yourself grace and, and, and don't be too hard on yourself. I think, um, it's, it's hard sometimes in the moment, um, because you are so worried about what's coming next. What are those next round of scans going to look like? You're like staying in the moment and fighting the battle in the moment and taking it one day at a time is really hard. Um, but if you don't do that and if you get too far ahead of yourself, um, then you're not going to make sure that your body is fueled for the battle at hand. And Dr. Schneider really helped me, um, stay in the moment and not to worry too about too, too much about the what ifs, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of said, you know what, we're going to cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but we're not going to get too far ahead of it because this is, you know, cancer is as much as they know now that they didn't know years ago, there's still so many unknowns and every human body is so different. And so, um, they, you know, managing kind of the expectations and the, um, you know, what's going to happen next. I think making sure that you're, um, extending grace to yourself and giving yourself the space to be in the moment, to focus on the moment and to make sure that mentally you are, um, that you're not just focusing on the physical, but you're also focusing on the mental side of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, so it was my second. So, um, the first four rounds of chemo were what they call the red devil. Um, one of the most potent types of cancer or of, of, of chemo. And, sounds um, enticing. Like sounds like a great Friday night drink. (laughs) I'll have two red devils, please. (laughs) Let me tell you to this day, cannot drink red Gatorade or, you know, it's like this association, but, um, but yeah, the, the nurse, uh, kindly uh, shared that that's the um, nickname for it as she was administering the first dose. Do you recall the actual uh, name of the medicine? AC was the short term. Okay, I no. can't remember that. So one of the cocktails, of, uh, there were four, and one of them was red, and, and I would I would describe it as the same, but it, that's, I don't think it's quite, it's maybe a derivative of that now. That was a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, because it, it was the only... Um, the only colored uh, chemo that I that I got, but it was kind of this bigger term. I mean, it, it, the 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 nurses literally put like double robes and yeah. double gloves on when they gave it to you. If that and, tells and you, you're anything. sitting there and you're wow. like, so you're doing that and you're getting ready to put that. In that me. sounds yeah. fantastic. I'll have exactly, more. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, do this for four weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to do this for four rounds. Um, but my second uh, my second um, time in getting that. Um, uh, we'd gone through all the pre-drugs and anti-nausea and everything. And so she was, you know, came out and had her practically a hazmat suit on and it starts, you know, kind of, cause they, they, um, they, they don't even do a drip. It's kind of a manual cause they have to time it out. Okay. So she's standing there with this big red syringe and starting to kind of slowly, uh, put it into, um, the IV and, um, all of a sudden, like my chest starts burning and my heart starts racing and I, I, I was like, I think something's wrong. And I mean, I'd already had it once. So, you know, having an allergic reaction would have been an odd thing. Um, and so she immediately stops. They're getting ready to, you know, get the sort of um, 
the um, the medicine than if you do have an allergic reaction to kind of stop it in its tracks. And so they're testing my vitals. And I mean, my chest is just on fire. I've never felt like this before. And, you know, they check everything. Everything's good. Vitals are all good, everything. And so they call my doctor and they came back to me and they're like, we're not questioning that you have these symptoms, but have you ever had an anxiety attack? And mm. I was like, mm. I, not that I ever know of. Like, I don't. And that's what it was. They gave me something to calm my nerves and I was fine. But that was the moment where it really hit home to me that this is such, this is going to be a big mental battle because um, your body and your mind does things um, and place tricks on you. I remember the other thing I learned about was anticipatory nauseousness where, yeah. yep, you wake <laughs> up the morning of chemo and you get in the car to drive down and all of a sudden you feel like you just got hit with the flu or something and you feel miserable. And again, didn't know that existed, didn't know what it was, but it's a real thing. And again, I think it just reinforces, it is, it is a, as sometimes as much of a mental battle because your, your, your mind will kind of play tricks on you because it knows what's coming or you know, uh, what you're about to go through. Yeah, were yeah. you in an infusion room with others or do you, you have a separate room? Um, it, it was a mix. Um, okay. so they, uh, they kind of, it was kind of whatever was available. Sure. Um, and with COVID, you know, they were doing like every other pod too. So it oh, was, it was okay. a little more separated and, uh, they were being extremely, extremely careful. And, um, I mean, the, the staff down there was incredible. Um, just keeping us all safe during, um, during that time. But yeah, it was kind of a mix. There was, I think one treatment that I got the private room, but in general, you were kind of in that more open area, but they had, they had really, kind of um, separated it off because they were trying mm -hmm, to keep sure. um, everybody separate. Yeah. First three or four treatments, I was in the room with, you know, 30 others, 30 of my closest friends. Yeah. And that's when I just decided <laughs> to puke all over myself and look up and everyone's kind of like, I was like, yep. Hey, what's up? <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, the other thing too, from is then on out, that's, that's when they gave that the anti-nausea, the anti-anxiety and whatever else. And I was basically out the yep. treatment, which was awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think that the, the, um, again, drugs and everything, they've come so far with kind of being able to, um, I actually, a um, nurse told me a story, uh, one of the nurses that had been there for a while, she said, you know, years ago before the, the anti-nausea medicine, all that was what it was. She said, um, she actually had a patient that, um, you know, it was like a year after her treatment was over or whatever, randomly saw her in the grocery store and she actually threw up oh, wow. just at the sight of seeing the nurse that gave her, I mean, that's, again, it, it sounds crazy, but I guess the human mind is really it's a crazy you, thing. It's exactly. Yeah. It's like, this is never going to go. No, I mean, I, like I said, I can't drink red Gatorade for maybe forever because yeah. it's, it's just, yeah. uh, it, it's such a, a mental association now, but yeah. I'm glad we didn't have red Gatorade. Yeah, our, seriously. Our our yeah, I was going to make a picture of her. Hurricanes, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, even the, um, you know, they, so, um, I, I don't know if you had to do this, but, uh, the, the, the first type of chemo I had is the kind where they have you put ice in your mouth yeah. to try to prevent the mouth the sores. sores. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I started off with, um, with the ice, uh, they have this specific kind of ice at, at Simon Ganser Center. Um, and it's kind of that aerated ice, right? And so uh, a very specific texture. Yeah. Um, pre-chemo was like this this ice is amazing i love this ice i want this ice at my house right and now don't ever give me that <laughs> yeah. ice again yeah. I, in fact by the end i was having to do popsicles and try everything else because i couldn't right. i couldn't put the ice in my mouth without 
a gag reflex. Yeah. Sounds familiar. So. Um, where are we? So where are we now? How, how far out are we from the last yep. treatment? Yep. So, um, so I had my last chemo uh, early June of 2020, and then I had surgery in July of 2020. Okay. Um, so through the genetic testing found out that I, I had BRCA1. Um, and so while that was not necessarily the best news. Um, the, I guess the silver lining was it at least gave them information to understand probably why this had happened um, and allowed them to offer a better recommendation for surgery and for next steps moving forward, kind of for my overall health. And then, oh, by the way, I have four sisters and a mother um, who could also potentially have BRCA1. Right. And so it allowed them um, to all be proactive and be able to go get tested and then make decisions uh, based on those results that came in. Yeah. So um, so that was kind of um, the news that I got along the way uh, as I was going through chemo, but it helped um, guide kind of the decision around surgery and we were more aggressive with surgery because um, of the heightened risk um, given BRCA1 for any kind of return or yeah. anything like that. And so um, the good news is, is by, um, so when they, when they went in to do the double mastectomy, um, they came back and they obviously do the, um, you know, look at all the cells and see if there's any cancer left. And so um, I got a call, uh, I think two days after surgery for my breast surgeon, and she said there was no cancer left um, when we went in and got everything out. And that was kind of the best case scenario that we could have asked for. Um, I found out after the fact, because again, I think Dr. Schneider was um, kind of protecting me from, but I found out after the fact that only about 30% of triple negative uh, have a complete, what they call a complete response in ED, no evidence of disease um, when they go in and do surgery. Um, but by having that, um, my risk of reoccurrence dropped from like 50% down to, you know, less than 10%. And that continues to go down year after year. So okay. I'm a year out now, two to three years is kind of that key um, timeline for when it's going to then drop back down and be more in line with kind of, um, you know, your average everyday female that's walking around, sure. you know, kind of thing. So, uh, I think under 5% potentially. So, um, that was, you know, the best news I could have asked for. So now, um, I'm, you know, seeing my oncologist every three months, just kind of for a check-in. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, one of the, one of the challenges is there's no blood work or anything necessarily that that is um, that has a marker for triple negative right okay. now at least not that they that they know of and so um, there's no blood work or anything like that um, it's really just kind of um, doing physicals and and making sure that you know uh, we're, we're checking and that there's no other lumps that pop up or anything like that but um, but yeah that's kind of where I'm at now so um, I feel extremely blessed to you know have um, kind of had the, that outcome and that result, um, and yeah. now be able to, to feel, you know, healthy and kind of back to normal. So we're roughly a year out, yep. um, at this point, and you kind of just touched on this briefly, but I'm gonna ask it anyway, what, being a year out, you, your mind has, has gone a lot of different places over the last, call it year yeah. and a half to two years. Um, 
how would you say this is this this experience has shaped your outlook um just in general yeah that's a good question and here's here's what i will say is um you know i think it's changed it but i think it's not done changing it sure um because i think when you go through something like that um as you know i mean you your mindset like i I don't, I think it's going to continue to impact my life for years to come. Like, I don't know that there's this moment in time that says, oh, I, I went from this mindset to this mindset, and now this is going to be my mindset for the rest of my life. But um, what I will say is that, um, you know, I have really tried to take a step back and, and make sure that um, I'm not taking things for granted in life, right? And really trying to be um, focused on the right things and yep. make sure that my priorities, um, which I think is what you hear from anyone that's gone through this, right? Like, I don't think it's uncommon, but um, I think making sure that, you know, I've, I'm focusing on what matters in life. And um, I, you know, being in sports, being in the NFL, um, it's a demanding career. It's a demanding job. And, you know, I think one of the things that I got to do last year, you know, being at home, working at home, um, is, you know, I got to be there for a lot of things that in a normal environment, I wouldn't have been able to be there for my kids. And, that really made me stop and think, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm never going to regret missing a meeting, but I am going to regret missing a kid's field trip or a kindergarten graduation or things like that. Yeah. And so one of the things I've really tried to do and, 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 you know, the Colts are so supportive and a great family environment is just make sure that I'm planning and being intentional about finding that balance and making sure that, um, you know, I'm there for those moments that really matter um, and figuring out how I need to get the work done on the back end, you know, whether that's, you know, a couple late nights or, or whatever, but it, trying to really um, make sure that, you know, my priorities are in line with what they should be um, because, um, you know, our families, they're there through the thick and the thin, through, you know, and, and my kids and my husband were um, so incredibly strong during the whole th uh, during the whole thing. And I think it really um, helped me kind of appreciate them, you know, even more. So sure. um, when you're forced to kind of think about the what ifs, um, you know, it, it just resets your, your framework. And I think the other thing is, um, you know, I want to use my story however I can to help others, um, to help other women, other younger women that, you know, uh, cancer isn't necessarily even on their, their radar. And right. if I can be an encouragement or offer advice or, um, just, you know, someone to talk to, cause again, I, I think until you've been through it, you know, I remember going into the cancer, um, and the infusion centers, you know, uh, when we were doing, uh, community work and things like that with the Colts. And I, I felt like I never knew what to say, you mm -hmm. know, because it's like, I have no idea what you're going through. Yeah. And so now, um, it's now that I have that a part of my story, like, I feel like I can interact and encourage people in a, in a way that's completely different than before. Um, because there's these shared emotions and shared, um, 
journeys that you kind of go on and these these similarities and overlaps and you talk about the type of chemo and you know how you got through this this and this and you know all that kind of stuff um that again those you know before just couldn't really relate to right mm-hmm. yeah uh you said your husband's name was keith yep so keith kudos to you buddy uh mm-hmm. great job being a caretaker <laughs> for this young lady um that's obviously gone well uh so good work for pulling double duty take care of her and the kids um i think that the flexibility of the work environment due to covid i mean it was kind of already there with technology but it hadn't fully embraced and it was kind of forced on us all mm-hmm. i know as an employer our, we're, we're changing a lot of things we're, we're testing a lot of things out like a lot of people and seeing mm-hmm. if it'll work or not um you and i can attest to this we mm-hmm. we'll see emails from each other at either 5 a.m or <laughs> midnight or yep. whatever people yep. think we're whacked and well they're not wrong but yeah, <laughs> yeah. it happens um so again another potential positive and i think you're what you mentioned about your outlook is look look go to the kids game email will still be waiting on you yep mm-hmm. um you can you can address it on your phone later or a laptop or what have you um the ability to still get the work done is is there yeah um it's it's not the old school methodology that you know maybe our some of our parents had um and i think for better or worse we're almost trained now to to attack some of those and some people are better i'm not very good at it i like i i almost not never stop working which is a problem but um just to know that you have the ability to do that and, mm-hmm. and then a lot better allows you to put those other things in perspective that's that's good yep um your attitude through or at least what i'm hearing in your attitude going through the process is now as well your outlook afterwards i think is, is commendable um that type anus has probably been a benefit mm-hmm. um so keep keep doing that we appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story with us and with with everybody else uh, if there's anything else we can do to, to help support you, please let us know. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you guys having having me on and, and giving me an opportunity. Like I said, I think um, I know when I was going through it, you know, hearing and connecting with other women that had gone through something similar or and just having kind of that um, sense of camaraderie was so encouraging and helpful um, and, and gave you a sense of kind of community and, um, you know, uh, my husband was amazing throughout it but it was also hard because he felt like he couldn't understand and relate to kind of what i was feeling and what my body was feeling what i was going through and so those were the kind of things where having those additional folks that i could connect with and talk with and 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 you know sort of get uh how did this work for you and what what you know what reactions did you have and how did you kind of Mm -hmm. combat this or whatnot uh was really really helpful and so i think all of us that have gone through that type of a journey now I feel like it's it's part of our responsibility to continue to pay it forward um, because there were so many people while I was going through my journey that were willing to share their story to share advice to be an open book too Mm -hmm. right because these are all very personal stories I mean I've never even had a broken bone before I had cancer so like health and talking about my health and and all I mean I just it wasn't something I was comfortable with. It wasn't something that I'd ever done. Um, and it's really, you know, challenged me to be a little more vulnerable in that space. Yeah. So. Good. Well, thanks again for coming yeah. on. We yeah, appreciate your you. time and your story. Uh, folks, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you listening and watching this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you can be alerted when this this episode or new episodes i should say drop because you're already watching this episode that's a dumb (laughs) comment um beat cancer and go colts go colts